you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, we're coming here with another great podcast. We certainly appreciate you guys for tuning in and checking it out and hopefully making your day. Uh, be sure to uh, watch the video version of this interview. You can go to youtube.com, forward Chris Voss, hit that bell notification button and you can also go to thecvpn.com and subscribe to online podcasts uh we have a lot of groups for the chris voss show on facebook the best thing i can do is tell you to go over to facebook and uh, search for us there's groups there's the uh chris voss show page etc etc you can follow me on goodreads.com forward slash chris voss over there as well today we have an incredible author who's written an amazing book that's uh, probably a, as a, a, an incredibly entertaining read uh mind-blowing eye-opening as well as sad and in some ways in many fashions now, the book is called billion dollar loser the epic rise and particular spectacular fall of adam newman and WeWork. you may have heard of this company uh the author is reeves Weideman. He comes to us as a contributing editor in New York Magazine. He has written for the New Yorker, the New York Times Magazine, Rolling Stone, Harper's, Men's Journal, and other publications. Uh, welcome to the show. How are you, Reeves? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me, Chris. Awesome sauce. Uh, so uh, give us your plugs so people can find you on the interwebs, your dot-coms, and all that good stuff. Uh, Googling my name will probably do it as well as anything. Uh, Reeves Weideman. I, I have a website, ReevesWeideman.net, that has uh, a lot of information about the book and, and my work. Um, and uh, that's my handle on Twitter as well, where I um, do uh, occasional posting. So those are probably the best places to find updates on, on the book and, and the work that I do. And you write some great journalist articles and everything else. Uh, wonderful work. I, I was reading through them this morning. Uh, so Billion Dollar Loser, this is the new book that can take and get on Amazon or where local bookstores are sold. Uh, tell us what this book is about. Who is Adam Newman for those people who aren't familiar with the WeWork experience or story? Sure. So the short version is uh, Adam Newman uh, moved to New York. He, he's born in, in Israel and, and moved in his 20s to New York City like many people and, and tried to uh, become an entrepreneur. Um, he started a few businesses. Uh, one was in the baby clothes industry. Uh, another was a collapsible heel for women. Um, and, uh, so he was kind of trying everything and, and he, he eventually, um, met an architect named Miguel McKelvey, um, and the two of them opened, um, what at the time was a, not exactly a new concept, but, but was somewhat unusual. Uh, it was, the idea was, um, flexible office space, um, kind of, uh, co-working was one way of looking at it, but what WeWork sort of did was they weren't having these big open tables that some people think about with co-working. It was, it was these um, sort of little glass cubes. They would take kind of a loft building and, and cut it up into smaller, um, smaller offices and, and rent it out. And, and for a while, it was uh, wildly successful. Um, it, you know, 
this, these kinds of offices with communal spaces and good coffee uh, and a sense of community were, were something that, that people wanted. And, and eventually over basically the span of the next decade um, after the company started in, in 2010, uh, it grew all over the world um, in pretty much every, any major city uh, you could name, both in the U.S. and, and abroad. Um, and uh, it, it, it expanded into all kinds of different businesses, that, some of which were sort of related to offices, some of which weren't. Um, and all of that kind of led up to this point in, in 2019 um, where the company tried to go public. Uh, and, and as we note in, in the title of the book, it was sort of a, a pretty spectacular um, failure for, for a variety of reasons. And, and, and for better or worse, um, you know, Adam, Adam Newman was, was the key to all of that. He was the one who kind of led the company on the way up. And then a lot of the, the issues um, on the way down were, were tied to him as well. I mean, spectacular losses for investors like SoftBank and uh, I think largely, mostly SoftBank, really. Um, yeah, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of these funny things. The, a, a lot of the early investors in the company did, did well. Um, you know, if you, if you got into WeWork in, in the beginning, um, as, as the company rose along the way and you were able to sell shares, um, as new investors came in, you, you did okay. Um, it, it wasn't the bonanza that everyone was kind of hoping for once the IPO came, um, but you did all right with, with SoftBank. Um, they have invested more than $10 billion um, into WeWork. Uh, the company was at one point theoretically valued at $47 billion. Um, it's now valued somewhere around $3 billion. So it is not a good thing to put in that much money uh, into a company that it's worth significantly less than that. should sell it to Trump. Maybe you go up in value or not, or maybe it'll go the other way. It was valued more than SpaceX and I think another company I read. Yeah, at, at one point in, in 2019, when it was going public, it was the most valuable private company in, in America. Um, you know, it was up there with, with the Ubers and the Lyfts and the Airbnbs and the SpaceXs of, of the world. And the, the interesting part about this all is that they, they seem to have hijacked, and correct me if I'm wrong, they hijacked the, that whole glory days that was going on in, in the tech industry in Silicon Valley of like, you know, disruption and we're going to change things. And a lot of it was just spinning new ideas. Like, in fact, if you look at a lot of great companies that came out of this, that era uh, and even losers, a lot of them were just Craigslist features, like a segment of Craigslist where, <laughs> you know, Uber and everything else but what was interesting about them is they took like a really placid concept of just commercial real estate <laughs> office <laughs> leasing and yeah. they tried to spin it into this sort of software thing is that correct yeah that was part of the story uh, at, at various points um, and, and pretty early on Adam Newman started talking about we work not as a real estate company but as a physical social network was the idea that he sort of talked about and and, you know, the, the, the basic concept was we have all these buildings um, early on, they're all over New York, um, and then eventually they're all over the world. And, and we want to try to connect them the way people are connected on Facebook or LinkedIn or, or whatever it might be. Um, you know, the, the tricky part is uh, the company tried at various points to sort of build some kind of technological underpinning to what was ultimately a real estate business um, where they, they lease space and people paid rent and, and they never quite figured out what was going to be sort of the like key um, crucial tech innovation 
um, that they had. There, there were, you know, little things here and there, and it was certainly a tech forward company, but ultimately at the end of the day, you couldn't get around the fact that they were in the business of, of leasing real estate. Yeah. Just, just old world real estate. You know, I mean, when I had my companies, uh, very large, you know, we'd have to go buy an office, sign a three year mm-hmm. lease and stuff. Uh, so you're, you were tied to it, man. You had to, you had to be in it. And, and so it seems like they, what they did is they really hijacked the, or hijacked, took advantage of the, of the gig economy or, or people that work from homes. I've worked mm-hmm. from home since 2004 and, uh, you know, they made it so that, you know, the people that don't like working at home or they got kids or different things going on at home, they can go to WeWork space and they don't have to pay the absorbent things or the massive contracts and stuff. Um, yeah, it was, it was like largely your real estate thing. And so um, this guy is quite extraordinary. He is a character beyond characters when it really comes down to it. In fact, I'm not sure well, you may have a better knowledge studying of what, what the car, uh, what, what the comparisons he might have, but what, what brought you to the book and made you want to write about it? Yeah, I, I think a couple of things. I mean, Adam is obviously a very compelling character and, and a compelling figure. And, and I think that what I was interested in is that both he and the company itself sort of could stand in for a lot of what happened in, in the broader economy over the, the past um, decade. And, and that was this sort of era of kind of startup excess um, venture capital, you know, it was just a sort of venture capital bonanza. There was more money floating around this sort of ecosystem than there ever had been sort of enabling companies like this to grow really quickly um, to, you know, grow in kind of all kinds of directions, you know, by the end of, of, of sort of Adam Newman's time at WeWork, he had pushed the company into opening apartments. Uh, they had an elementary school. They were operating a, dr- a gym. He had invested in a, in a wave pool company to sort of uh, enable surfing um, with, without an ocean. Um, th- so there were all kinds of crazy things that, that he dreamed up and, and tried to do with, with the money he had. And so it's sort of a, in some ways, it's kind of a classic tale of, of, of ambition and sort of there's an Icarus element to, to all of this, but um, for him in particular, but more, more generally, it's, it felt like he and, and the company sort of stood in for a lot of things that were happening. And, and these guys built a company with uh, a lot of booze. My, my friend uh, Dan Lyons wrote a book uh, about uh, the craziness of Silicon Valley, the stories. I mean, mm-hmm. you have employees that are running around with carts of alcohol. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. throughout the office and, the, you know, just drinking, partying, you know, who needs a 20 seater, uh, foosball table, right? Sure. You know, you need to have that, a 20 person foosball table. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of it, you know, is in the same era that gave us, uh, Elizabeth Holmes with Theranos and that whole nightmare. Um, so, uh, give us some in-depth stories about, about the book. I mean, a lot of it seems really alcohol. I don't know if drugs are involved, but there seems to be a lot of alcohol fueled stuff, just excess of, of craziness of what this guy was about. Yeah. You know, we work was a company for, for young people in a lot of ways. And, and, um, that was for the employees and also the people who worked there. And so, you know, a lot of employees would talk about, you know, they, they, they were coming out of college, college experiences and, and suddenly getting into, um, you know, they were entering the workforce and, and WeWork was a place that sort of recreated that experience in some ways. You know, the, they were working long hours, the people they worked with became their friends, you had parties, you had these kind of weekend company retreats, uh, summer camp was sort of the famous one that, that WeWork had. 
Um, they were just essentially parties. Um, and, you know, I, I think in a vacuum, um, certainly with everything else that went wrong with the company, it, it, it now looks silly. Um, and, and extravagant, you know, at the time it was part of the sales pitch. It was, it was part of the reason you wanted to work at a company like this. It was a company that worked hard and played hard. Um, and, and for people who joined, we work as members and, and had offices there. The offices were fun. You know, it's, uh, I, I mean, as long as everyone's sort of responsible about it, it's, it's kind of a nice thing to have a, have a beer keg in, in your office and be able to go, you know, just grab a beer with a, a friend at the end of the day. So, um, you know, there, there was a lot that was appealing about that. And then of course, you know, but there's a lot that's dangerous about that. I mean, you know, having, having free flowing open bars, um, is, is maybe a thing of, of the past for a lot of corporations now. And, and we were sort of certainly leaned into that for a long time. Yeah. Maybe the New Yorker can uh, see if they can come up with a bar system with them. <laughs> you know, I think in Utah, when I had my, I had like a small bar in my office and it was like illegal, I think at the time in the nineties to have a, just for me to have, like have alcohol in the, in the office. I mean, it's certainly different when I moved to California and I was like, what, this is legal here, but I guess it makes sense. But then, it, then it's also weird. The hours they keep and when they sell booze, like in Vegas, you can buy anything twenty four seven. So uh, you cover in the book the whole span, the creation, his rise, his kind of would you call this a uh, semi biography? Yeah, I think you know we we the book starts with his childhood in in Israel, um, and and there's you know there's a lot of elements in in his childhood that that led to to WeWork. Um, you know, we, we talked to people who who knew him as a teenager, and and you know he was the same kind of brash, cocky, confident person that that he was uh, much later. And and you know we we talked to his. Um, High school driving instructor uh, who who remembered him as as just kind of this this sort of wild guy who um, and and he said this you know somewhat admiringly he he said of Adam you know uh, he's either going to become a millionaire or he's going to jail there was no in between you know between those two things w- one in one way or another he was just going to be the kind of person who who got himself into something and and it was sort of it would kind of remain to be seen sort of what happened. Um, and then, you know, Adam often cited his childhood and, and his, the way he grew up. He grew up on a kibbutz in, in Israel, and, and which is this sort of community-filled setting. Um, and, and he talked about that as sort of the inspiration for, for WeWork in, in some ways. And so I, I think, again, it's kind of hard to separate him from the company um, because everything good and bad about it sort of flowed from him and who, who he is. And so they build this company that's extraordinarily overvalued, correct? I mean, just the, I mean, and they're selling it with, I remember what was going on, and it still goes on today, not so much with the coronavirus because a lot of uh, VCs have pulled back. Uh, but, you know, the, the build joke was like, the, the less slides you have in your presentation, the better, like the more mm-hmm. you have the money. Mm-hmm. And, and they're just, these VCs are just like throwing money at these guys. And, and then, uh, like you say, it goes to where, um, and, and you outline in the book, like some of the extraordinary stuff the, the, I mean, he's, he's buying stuff and leasing it back to the company and they're just, it's just, it's kind of, I, I guess you could call it corruption. Would it be corruption? Some of the different things they were engaged in. You know, I, I mean, I think there's certainly things, um, that happened that, uh, sorry, I've got a phone no going problem, off man. here. Um, 
uh, you know, it was a family business. I mean, Adam owned the business. His, his, his good friend, Miguel was his, was his partner. Um, he often said, you know, I am, we work, we work is me. Like there was something he said and, and it's complicated. I mean, one thing about real estate is, is, um, you know, Adam Newman was, was far from the only, uh, person in the real estate world who engaged in some level of self-dealing. That's just kind of, you know, par for the course. And, and a lot of people would kind of say to me, you know, in the real estate world, there's a lot worse people than Adam Newman. Um, <laughs> Donald know, Trump, and, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so, you know, plenty of obvious examples. And, and so I think, you know, um, there, there are plenty of ways you can kind of critique the company on that front. I think ultimately it's just when you get that much money sort of sloshing around and, and um, it's just going to lead, lead to problems. And so in the book, you tell a lot of these stories, that's just crazy stories. And then they go up to, and then they go up to, you know, once you, once you, uh, you know, run for public money. And that's why actually some companies don't go for, mm-hmm. to put themselves on the markets because they really don't want anybody poking around the books. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they find they're just extraordinarily overvalued and they start finding all these different things on the books and going, what the hell is going on? Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about how that whole thing comes off the rails. Yeah, it's it's a very different thing raising money from private investors. You know, private investors, uh, venture capitalists are are looking for the next big thing. They're they're not looking in most cases for for nice little businesses. They want businesses that that can become the next Facebook or Airbnb or Uber or Google. Um, so it was you know Adam was very good at pitching to that group of investors and and pitching them his vision for what WeWork was going to become. Once you go public, um, uh, you know it's it's much more about the numbers. You're you're dealing with pension funds and mutual funds, um, who who are by nature just more conservative investors. And so, at that point, you know WeWork was still making a bunch of money. Um, they they doubled the amount of revenue they were they were bringing in every year, um, but they were having trouble getting their costs under control and 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 the impulse that the company had been to grow 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 as fast as as they could and and it wasn't totally clear that that growth was was sort of making it it easier to make money the way a tech company you know the the classic idea is network effects the bigger the bigger you get um the more beneficial your company is to to everyone who uses it and and then the more ways present themselves for, for you to be able to, to make money from that. WeWork never really had that. It was at its core still a business about um, renting out space to people. Um, and, and so once the books were open and it was clear that, that the company hadn't sort of figured out this kind of holy grail of, of as one employee put it to me, of, of figuring out how to make this more of a tech company, um, it just, uh, you know, the, those kind of more conservative investors were just less interested and, and less willing to go along with the story that, that Adam was telling. And SoftBank had just, just buried it with money. And I think they'd take up a majority position if I recall correctly. Uh, not quite. They, they had thought about it. They, at, at one point, um, SoftBank had thought about taking, a. a, a basically half the company that would basically be Adam and, and Masayoshi Sano in the company. But ultimately that deal was kind of fell apart and was sort of a, a precursor to some of the IPO trouble. But, but SoftBank, yes, had, had poured a huge amount of money into the company. And, and uh, if I recall rightly, you'll, you'll have to correct me because it's starting to come back to me more as we're talking about it. But there was something about their, their revenue booking and their invoicing where 
they were like advancing themselves on the books, like the next year's worth of rentals or something like there was something going on with that. That was like really extraordinary when I read it. Cause I did the accounting for our companies too. I read it and just went, that's extraordinary. Yeah. They, you know, they, they sort of, the simple way to think about it is they kind of streamlined their, their lease costs. Um, <laughs> they and, streamlined. Yeah. I mean, and there's an argument, look, there's an argument for it. And there, yeah. you, you, there, there are people who will, who will say that it's, it's not the craziest idea. Um, in some ways it was a branding problem. You know, they called it community adjusted EBITDA was the, the metric they used. And it was kind of this metric that they sort of made up out of thin air, at least the name. And it, it fed some of the craziness that, that people, you know, the sort of the, the craziness that was already there about the company, it, it sort of added to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was extraordinary. I mean, I mean, and we saw stuff like that. I remember reading um, decades ago when Blockbuster was doing some sort of overpricing for their videos and they were doing like an extraordinary measurement of value of like 24 years for a video that they would buy or depreciate. And there was some like really <laughs> cookie. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you can get away with, I guess, a lot of stuff the IRS lets you. Um, or, or, you know, if investors are fine, then nobody asks any questions. But it was really weird how here they were going public, there was the big PR push, and and then it just comes it just comes apart like within i don't know two weeks or a month it just goes just goes right off the rails as soon as people start looking at the books yeah it was uh, you know six weeks or so from yeah. from opening the publishing the paperwork to to the ipo being pulled and and adam newing being asked to step down it was it was pretty remarkable and then I think you've covered the fallout in the book too as well, because he had some he had some golden parachute contracts and some other things. Uh how did that turn out? Um, it's complicated. He he left the company, uh it was sort of pushed out of the company. Um it, it uh, with with basically a billion dollar exit package that was a, cons <laughs> a consulting fee that was there. Um, he was able, was going to be able to sell a huge portion of his stock in the company, and and yeah, at the time, you know, this was at a moment when when the company was going to have to lay a bunch of people off, and and the valuation was tumbling, and and people looked sort of askance at it for kind of obvious reasons. Uh, since then, you know, a lot has happened. Obviously, um, the pandemic. Um, has has sort of taken over everything and, and made commercial office space an even more tricky proposition mm -hmm. um, as a business. Uh, and and SoftBank uh, this spring um, basically uh, they they were the ones paying Adam all this money and and they basically claimed that for a variety of reasons um, WeWork and, and and Adam had had sort of reneged on on certain parts of the deal and and so. The long story short is that it's it's tied up with the lawyers right now, and it's sort of unclear, you know, when exactly or or what exactly um, Adam will end up getting. Me and all my tech friends, see, because I I always ran companies with my own money. We built multi-millionaire companies, but you know, when we were small and starting out, we sweat equity and stuff. But we always had to make a profit because mm -hmm. it was our money. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there was a certain point we could have took investors on, but then you got to start, you know beholden to them and and i enjoyed what i did uh but but these guys they they uh run the worst company the most overvalued thing and he still walks away from with a billion dollars and i remember we were all sitting around going mm -hmm. shit why do we bother running companies <laughs> but mm -hmm. but it's extraordinary what did you learn writing the book was there any that was there any stories that stuck out to you that were like 
what the hell or what anything that uh, you took away from the book that was uh, that a lot of readers are probably going to learn about yeah i think with the WeWork story i mean we've touched on it you know once people looked at the numbers it it seems sort of obvious but but the numbers were there all along and for those who were looking at it for the investors obviously it wasn't didn't have total visibility on everything but they knew enough and and there were various points um in the company's history when um they, you know, investors, executives would, would take a look at the numbers and, and you know, your traditional kind of MBA program stance would, would suggest one kind of decision and, and people would do the opposite. You know, there was a story where, where Benchmark, one of the first investors in the company, um, you know, they were skeptical of it already. They're a tech investor and this was a real estate company. And in this first pitch meeting, um, one of the partners just found an error in WeWork's model. And, and they decided to invest anyway. And they decided to invest in this vision and, and sort of a feeling that, that um, there was something about the company and something about Adam that was going to lead them to success, even if the numbers didn't totally make sense. So, you know, uh, it, it was surprising to me how many times in, in the WeWork story, things like that happened where the numbers said one thing and people, you know, for one reason or another, went with their, their gut or a, a certain feeling or just a faith, kind of blind faith in, in Adam uh, hoping that it would work out. And a lot of people don't realize that aren't in the tech industry or the VC industry, the reason why these things are able to keep going, the Theranos's, the WeWorks. Uh, and uh, in fact, I was just thinking about uh, Rap Genius co-founder, uh, Babad Mahoganam. I don't know if you remember him. I'm not sure I'm mm-hmm. pronouncing his name correctly, mm-hmm. but he had that extraordinary flame out. And, and I think Rap Genius was a little overvalued at his time, but he was one of those extravagant, crazy dudes that that eventually end up shooting himself in the old uh and uh but what a lot of these guys they do you know round a round b there's well sometimes there's c round round a b c d uh usually by d they're starting to sell it to uh private groups and or c they're starting to sell it to private groups at morgan stanley and and uh uh and then of course they're prepping it to go public um and so a lot of people don't realize is they, you know, Bridgewater and other people invest in these places. And then, you know, they, when they resell it on the next round or they bring in other investors, they'll sell their stock at much more. And sometimes they'll take out larger positions and keep smaller. And so they're making money as they go through the rounds and stuff. So sometimes if they see something extraordinary like that, or they see errors and stuff, they kind of go, we need to get off that bus a little bit more on the next round. You know, mm-hmm. but since they're mm-hmm. selling at a higher value, sometimes an extraordinary amount of what they paid on an exponential, mm-hmm. they can they could go. Well, you know, we clawed back our initial investment and made a little bit of profit for the pool, and then uh, you know we can keep in there and see if it goes. It's really it's really an interesting business in the VC thing. Mm-hmm. So do you do you get into in the book his? I think he just started a new company recently, didn't he? Or invested in a new company? He's invested in a new company. <clears throat> yeah, in a, in a, a new kind of real estate company. Is that kind of guy? I guess if you, I guess if he's got money, you'll take it. But <laughs> yeah, you know he's he's got a lot of money now, and and he he does have some cred in in kind of the startup world. I mean, he built WeWork into what it was before it all kind of flamed out. Yeah. So I, I imagine you reached out to him and his people uh, at at uh, to comment in the book. Did he input at all? Yeah, we, you know, I interviewed Adam last year, sort of wow. when things were still flying high. Um, and, and, you know, throughout, throughout the process of writing the book, we reached out to him and, and, you know, tried to sort of check various things with his team. Um, he's, as mentioned, kind of tied up with, with lawyers right now. So there's only so much he's sort of able mm-hmm. to say publicly, but, um, uh, 
you know, uh, we certainly tried to get his input. <laughs> it's a crazy story. I mean, we just, I mean, we just always kind of gave up. Uh, we worked the side eye in the tech business. We were like, what the hell are you doing? Are you doing commercial real estate? Like, uh, I mean, you, you're renting buildings. I mean, that's basically, it. and the depreciation and you can get good depreciation on, on buildings, but you know, usually the game is like what we see, what a lot of people are seeing. I mean, I've known this forever. I mean, how you work depreciation, you try and bury your, your, your uh, revenues and you try and create losses and you can with depreciation because depreciation really isn't a real thing in a physical sense sort of way. Um, but but to see them in it and stuff like that, what are some of the other aspects of the book that you think are important for readers to tune into? Um, I, I'm curious to see what what the next generation of of startup founders will take from this. You know, on the one hand, you can read this book as as Adam was a big success for a long time, and and the way that he he talked about the company and pushed the company was a key part of his success. On on the other hand, the the growth at all costs, the expansion into different industries, you know, I think really um, sent the company over the rails. So, you know, as we're entering this kind of new, hopefully at some point a post-pandemic era, there will be these kind of new founders rising up and, and trying to build these giant companies. And it'll be interesting to see what lessons, if any, they've learned from, um, from sort of Adam's uh, troubles and and the sort of stumbles that other companies have had as well. I th- my understanding is they put a lot of kibosh on some of these partying and drinking and and some of the Me Too movement did some of that where where you know the sexism and then the, the sexual harassment that was going on in some companies. To, the tech business kind of went through a little bit of that during the the Me Too era, and then these things, the Toronto's, the rap geniuses, the the uh, <laughs> thing. Uh, hopefully, it's making people really think about you know what's going on, the booming thing, and we seem to have reached an era where I don't know. There maybe there'll be more technology coming out of more technological advances. They usually come out after these recessions. VCs are usually in the wings waiting after recessions of what we're going to go through here because usually there's some sort of new explosive thing. I mean, mm-hmm. last round, 2008, we saw Twitter and Facebook and everything else. Uh, but yeah, commercial real estate. I would. I don't know where commercial real estate is going. My prediction is going to be that is that we're going to people are going to get used to working from home and living from home, and they're going to expect it from employers. And uh, <clears throat> once we've broken this mold and gone to what I've been used to, and a lot of people from the gig economy have been used to, um, you know, there it is. Uh, it, uh, ex- exceptional book. Oh, the reason I was leading with that uh, one thing on sexual harassment too was there's a lot of crazy party stories in here. I mean, you got mm-hmm. stories uh, of of where he they trash like an employee uh, entertainment room and they don't know who it is. Turns out, you know, it's just these booze fests of craziness. Yeah, and it you know as as with a lot of companies like this or, or any company that leads to problems and, and they existed at WeWork, um, you know, maybe more than some, but, but I don't even know if it was exceptional and unfortunately, and we've sort of now come, come to learn, um, you know, it, it, what, what was unfortunate for WeWork doubly so is that the company sort of claimed to be building a better world, um, to be building better office spaces and, and it, you know, it turned out that they had kind of many of the same issues that that other companies had once you have a, again, sort of a, an open bar in the middle of the office. 
And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, he was just like a lot of these guys, like the Theranos gal, Rap Genius, a lot of these people that go off the extreme deep end, they really think they're the next Steve Jobs. Like, literally, they think they are the next Steve Jobs. Is that correct? I, yeah. I mean, I think, like, you know, if you're an ambitious startup founder, uh, who else would you want to want to be? And, and you know, I, I think there's certainly become these kind of delusions of grandeur and, and people try to learn from them. I mean, there was certainly a, a way in which Adam Newman could have been sort of the next generation of, of that in, in some ways. And so we, we definitely have sort of come out of an era where I think, you know, people, people wanted to be the next Steve Jobs, um, next Jeff Bezos, um, you know, next Mark Zuckerberg, maybe. Uh, but, um, you know, we've, I, I think one thing we've also learned is, is kind of the, the pitfalls of those kinds of people. You know, Steve Jobs was, a, was an extremely demanding boss and in, in some ways a, a really difficult boss. Um, and, 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 and so, you know, it, it, we're, we're, I think startup founders have to ask themselves all these questions of, of what's worth it, you know? What's, is, it, is it worth it to, to sort of ruin your employees' lives or, or trample over whatever norms there might be in the pursuit of your vision? In some cases, they seem to believe that's true, but, but in, other, in other cases, it, it, you know, I think it, it sends, gets people into trouble. Yeah, it definitely does. And, and this, that whole mystique of it, uh, you know, uh, Elizabeth Holmes, was was one who uh who who she actually wore a turtleneck and i think the same mm -hmm. style of pants or something if i recall at least mm -hmm. she would drink like i don't know it's like they're really they're trying to copy the whole genre of that thing mm -hmm. to me it's just it, the insanity of it and watching all that go on and that's what a lot of this book displays is the insanity of silicon valley and how crazy it gets and and there is that creative side but i've worked with a lot of ceos that that they're they're so creative but there's like this this damage fallout of radiation nuclear crap that's just building and falling them. And you're just like, how do they always keep one step ahead of that thing? Mm -hmm. I mean, anybody who knew um, Steve Jobs, especially privately, he's an incredible dick. He was an asshole. I mean, he was just awful. My friend Andy, who worked on the on the original iPhone, building the iPhone, who's on the team. I mean, he he threatened to destroy his family. I mean, and you know, the craziness. I think so. Andy's been in a few different films talking about it, but they—it's uh, uh, just insane. Some of the things that you see these guys going on about and what they're doing, and so. Um, sorry about that. It looks like I gotta edit that out. Uh, the Google alarm went off. Um, so, anything more uh, you want to tell us about the book before we go out? No, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I hope that it's, uh, it's, it's a useful guide to both sort of what happened to this company and to Adam Newman, and, and then also a useful guide to, to the era that we're sort of coming out with, this kind of era of startup excess with all these different figures and companies that we've talked about. I think they, you know, they all interplay with WeWork in one way or another, and, and I think, you know, hopefully would, will people take away from the book, um, yeah, there's a lot of fun and crazy stories. There's a lot of tequila. There's a little bit of marijuana. Um, <laughs> And, uh, but, I, but I think there's also some really kind of serious and interesting questions to be asked about what we should expect from, from these companies and these founders. So, um, yeah, you know, just thanks for having me. And I, I really hope people, you know, enjoy the book and, and find some useful lessons in it. And I think it's going to be an entertaining book, too, because uh, some of the stories in it, oh, my God. Uh, so uh, thanks for coming on the show. We certainly appreciate it, bud. Thanks for being here. 
Thanks for having me, Chris. Thank you. Uh, thanks to my audience for tuning in. Be sure to check out his book, The Epic Rise and Spectacular Fall of Adam Newman and WeWork, a billion-dollar loser. Hey, you know, one question, if you don't mind me throwing you a, a, a thing, why did you decide to call it loser? Because I thought that was kind of uh, a bit uh, pokey. Yeah, I mean, poking. you know, there's, there's sort of two reasons. One, um, you know, Adam... Um, uh, he got out with a billion dollar exit package, despite the fact that the company had, had sort of failed in its most crucial moment. Um, and, and then, you know, more broadly to the point we were talking about, they, uh, you know, this, this was a company that lost billions of dollars, much like other companies um, in the pursuit of growth over, over the past um, decade. So we thought it was, it was fitting both in a, in a small and specific way and then getting at some of the more general themes that we there were interested you go. in. Check out the book, guys. You can go to uh, Amazon.com and you can check out uh, Reeves on his website, ReevesWideman.net. Uh, and that's a good place. And of course, the, uh, all the different places that he writes for. Any other plugs you want to throw in? No, I think uh, I, I hope people pick up the book and wherever, wherever books are sold and I hope they enjoy it. There you go, guys. Uh, to my audience, be sure to uh, follow us on thecvpn.com or chrisvosspodcastcenter.com. You can go to youtube.com forward slash chrisvoss to see the, see the uh, video version of this. Uh, stay safe, register to vote, get out there and vote, and we'll see you guys next time.